Bring it in. Read option pod back and better than ever. Got a great pod for you guys today. Uh, Going to talk a little bit of uh, some football, a little bit of Jalen Hurts, some contract off the field stuff that's interesting. Uh, and we are in the thralls right now of NBA playoffs, the first round. Some might say the NBA playoffs don't really start until the second round, which Scotty's Warriors may not even see this year. Probably won't hey, even hey. see. Hey, um, but, uh, but, uh, there is a lot to get to that, uh, I'm excited about. We just lost Scotty here for a second. He'll be back on. Um, I did want to start off the pod today by explaining where we've been. Um, and the answer I wish was way better or more justifiable. Um, the truth is, we did a Postmasters podcast. I did a solo podcast shortly after that, um, both of which, for whatever reason, never got posted. Um, I went through everything as normal. Um, I, I posted everything. I edited the pods. We got it up. We had a really, really fun Postmasters pod with Scotty and Vito. Vito's, Vito filled us in with his trip to the Sweet 16 in Vegas. I went on a couple of rants with, it was honestly one of my favorite pods we've done in a long time. Um, and they just never popped up. They just never popped up. And, and I still don't know exactly what happened. Um, and that happened also with a solo pod that I did last week. So to the listener, it feels like we've been away for two weeks for the people here on this podcast. It feels like we've done, you know, one or two pods a week for the last couple of weeks. Um, but sometimes technology uh, and I do, we're not very good friends sometimes. So, um, my heartfelt and sincere apologies to all the listeners of the read option who expect, you know, us to be here for them a couple times a week. We take pride in the fact that there are people who look forward to listening to us a couple times a week and we love being a part of your lives. So, um, sincerely, I apologize. Um, you know, I, I will say, you know, life, life gets in the way and there's been business. I was down in Harrisonburg going to my alma mater for a reunion this past weekend. Scotty yeah, was that, uh, it was, I, today's the first day that my voice feels normal. Um, we've talked, I think we've talked about some of the pod before, but I, I, I sang in high school and college and I was in an acapella group and we had our, our 25 year anniversary, uh, this past weekend in Harrisonburg. And, uh, I came back on Sunday with no voice and then woke up early to go do a radio show <laughs> at the ass crack of dawn on Monday morning. And just nothing was coming out. Like it was mm -hmm. laughable yeah. how bad my voice was gone. Um, but it was ultimately an amazing week and we had a, an absolute blast. Um, but you know, look, we, we pride ourselves on transparency with our listeners about what's going on in our lives and what's going on uh, in the world around us. And uh, just hand up on this one, hand, full hand up, uh, I fucked it up. I don't know why, but I'm going to I'm going to pull a Jalen Hurts right now. All right. I'm going to take full responsibility. You know, the amount of times Jalen Hurts has thrown a perfect pass that Quez Watkins dropped and Jalen comes back and says, hey, you know what? I should have made a better throw. That's what I'm doing here. All right. The, the, the hmm. guys that came in, they performed big time. Um, you know, I could blame technology or whatever. But look, ultimately, hand up. That's on me. So. Uh, my apologies again. We, we love you. It was not meant to be, but yeah, we had two different podcasts, uh, one with the boys and one that was solo with me that, um, 
through whatever process didn't uh, didn't make its way on. And, and to quote Andy Reid, I, you know, I got to do a better job. So uh, apologies to everybody. But we are back and better than ever. We have uh, and I what sucks, too, is Scotty, I teased on the podcast with me and Vito. I teased the people that no one got to hear about the fact that we're going to have a guest that we've been trying to get on this podcast for a long time on here. I'm not going to announce it yet. Yeah. Um, if well, you're a, leave it a little teaser. If, if you've been a longtime fan of the read option podcast, you, you might have a guess as to who it is. Um, but we, we will have this person on uh, almost guaranteed, almost guaranteed. I'd say about 95% guaranteed. We're going to have this, this guy on uh, the podcast on Tuesday of next week. And uh, it, it'll be a really, really fun interview. I teased that like oh, the, the, it was the Tuesday or the Monday after the masters, the Tuesday after the masters, we recorded that pod. Um, and then that was the one that just never found its way out. So we're about a week and a half late from, from that news being out, but get ready and get excited. Cause that that's going to be one that we've been, uh, we've been anticipating here for a while. Uh, and we also have the draft coming up and next week we'll have our third annual read option mock draft. Uh, so we will get that out to you either Tuesday or Thursday of next week. This is our third annual sky. It's not four. We did 2020. Didn't we? we? No. Well, no, no, because the podcast originally started. Oh, you're right. You're right. In the football before the read option existed. The podcast started back in uh, the football season of hey, 2020. I, fall of I 2020. majored in I majored in history at the university in which I attended. Okay, should, don't yeah. give me the math here. All right, enough. Yeah. Time's a flat circle anymore. Thanks to that, the year that we started the podcast. Well, you know, it's not surprising with a Penn State education that you would forget that. So it's it's not it's not that surprising, you know. Uh, anywho. Very excited for uh, for today's podcast and excited to be back with everybody. Scotty's here. No veto, but Vito will be back with us next week. Um, and working on a grant. That interview. So, yeah, he's working on a grant. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, and, <laughs> and perhaps in multiple ways. But Scotty's here and I'm here. And, Scotty, we are going to talk about, as I, as I was alluding to, I'm going to take this Jalen Hurts style with holding on to the blame. Uh, even if I if I didn't feel like I fucked up at all, but I probably yeah. did. Well, um, it hurts. Yeah. It does. It does hurt. But the biggest news out of the NFL world over the last week or so has been Jalen Hurts, the first of that next crop of quarterbacks before uh, Lamar Jackson, before Justin Herbert and before Joe Burrow to get his long term extension. And uh, look, the, the crux of this and we're going to get into some of the nitty gritty with all this. But what I come away with this is that this is one of the best win win contracts I've seen in a very, very long time in the NFL. It's very hard and very rare in the NFL to get true win-win contracts. And Harry Roseman was recently on the New Heights podcast with uh, Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey. And he was talking about how his approach to trades is genuinely to try to make it a win-win. You know, you're trying to trade with a team that might have different objectives that you do, and they may have something that you want. You have things that they want. And, you know, he cited the A.J. Brown trade and some of the other big trades that Howie's made over the years. But it feels like he took that same energy and applied it to this contract negotiation because the the big headline with this Jalen Hurts deal is Jalen Hurts, right? Highest paid player in NFL history. But if you look at the de- <laughs> but if you look at the details of it, even for right now, that doesn't really make sense. Right. 
yes, it's the highest number of total guarantees outside of Deshaun Watson that we've seen, right? In the 255 number, because all NFL contracts are fake, right? It, it goes so much deeper than just that 180 million guaranteed that Hertz got or 179.3 and the 255 overall total. Um, because what a lot of people, even big football fans, will see the highest number and they go, oh, but what about the what about the total guarantee? What's the guarantees there, right? And you look, it's 179 million guaranteed. This contract goes even deeper than that. So we'll get to that. But Scotty, your reaction to the general concept right now with Jalen Hurts signed on long term to be the Philadelphia Eagles starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. It's it's a move you had to make, right? And I think we were waiting, uh, especially as we approach draft time, as as we look at all these quarterbacks that uh, all the drama with Lamar in the offseason, but secondarily, all the other quarterbacks, uh, Hertz, Joe Burrow, uh, uh, that guy in uh, in L.A. who you hate. Um, I don't hate Justin Herbert. I love Justin, Justin Herbert. Herbert. He's your guy. Um, you can't even remember his name. Yeah. Um, so I, this is the first of those dominoes to fall. And I think it kind of affects uh, in an in an weird way how how lamar's uh going to work out uh with the with the ravens but it's a move you had to make and look how quickly this happened like the ascent was unbelievable all of those guys who didn't work out in philadelphia for the long term um in, including a year in which you won the super bowl um and and to to deal carson wentz uh, a massive contract and for that not to work out i think there's a little bit of of Tibbenness from from Eagles fans potentially, but dude, Jalen Hurts had one of the most amazing seasons that we've seen by a quarterback in NFL history last year, and I don't see that or or any part of of his game or or the Eagles uh, the Eagles game plan changing for the for the worse. Absolutely not. This is a, a rapid ascent into what I think is, uh, and we'll talk about the numbers too. This is a really, really good deal. I mean, just an absolute work of genius. Uh, but you had to do it. You had to lock up the guy who, who has this quick ascent, who made this this rapid adjustment into being a a so so quarterback. Who even you yourself, Jeff, on draft night were like, I don't know. Oh, uh, I was when furious. You took him. I was and furious. Exactly, and, and to to being the guy who who led you to almost the promised land, uh, and. and uh, no doubter, you're the the Eagles of the team th- that will be the favorites to get there again this year. You had to lock that guy up, and, and you had to to do it quickly. No, yeah, I mean, no question, undeniably. And look, you you look at what what Jalen did this past year. Not only just starting off the year, and and I've I've heard some of the reaction to it, and it feels like on a national level, you had the Pittsburgh game right with their three touchdowns from AJ Brown. Right. Or the two touchdowns from AJ Brown. And then you had the Tennessee game that had the three touchdown game from AJ Brown. And and that was really at that week 10, week 11 mark that people really started to buy into Jalen. He gets hurt during the Chicago game and then it's all right. Well, how much can this guy really do? You get by the Giants, which the Eagles dominated that game, but it wasn't it was running the ball. It's not really like they had to do a whole lot with Jalen throwing it. And then uh, then everyone looks at Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson getting knocked out of that game against San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. And people say, hey, well, you know, you knocked out Brock Purdy. So how much can you really tell Jalen shoulder, all that stuff? Right. But then you go to the Super Bowl. Right. And statistically, Jalen Hurts had the best statistical Super Bowl performance of all time. You know, you could you could throw up Brady in the 2017 Super Bowl that they lost to the Eagles. 
Uh, you know, Nick Foles had an incredible game that day. But in terms of like really brilliant plays, especially in a game that was so back and forth for a guy on that stage. And you want to say on that stage for the first time, like at, look, at 24, it, like, at 20, yeah, 24, but also like he's played in multiple national championship games. He's been around the big stage before he's played in, I think four, maybe five college football playoff games, which has to be up there for the most that anybody played. Yeah. And he played with it with two different <laughs> schools, even though they got absolutely stomped by the LSU Tigers the year that he was there with Oklahoma. You look at that, the entirety of what Jalen Hurts has done at his age, he shows up in the Super Bowl on the biggest stage, even bigger than the national championship, bigger than the college football playoff. And then he puts together a performance like he did. He, he screws up with the fumble, comes immediately back and plays unbelievable football for the rest of that game. The deep ball the, to, you know, the throw to Dallas Goddard on the third and long like that. And, and that moment, too, where it's like you needed a touchdown to tie the game there. And he delivered on one of the most impressive throws of the entire season. Mm-hmm. Like what this guy has done. In addition, and that's on the field, in addition to what he's done to the locker room, when you have guys like Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey and these long-term – Even 13, defensive guys. Defensive guys too, Fletch and BG, guys who've been around yeah. for 12, 13 years, who've seen the tail end of Donovan McNabb, who've been around Andy Reid, who've, who've seen greatness, who've seen what Nick Foles was able to do. For, for Jalen to have won them over not only as much – on the field, but off the field, I think is almost equally as impressive. You know, there are Nadamikin Sue was just on Rich Eisen this week um, when that contract got announced. And like Rich Eisen kind of asked him, he's like, I know what I'm about to ask you is unfair, but it's like, aside from the fact that they're two completely different players, I feel like there are similarities between Tom Brady and Jalen Hurts. And Nadamikin Sue, who just spent two years playing with Brady, is like, absolutely. He's like, they're they're different obviously like opposite ends of the spectrum but he's like but the way they approach the game the way that they you know lead right they even have different styles where brady will talk to everybody you know jalen will pull guys one-on-one but they they keep their teammates accountable for themselves which sirianni does a great job of and brady does a good job of um but then jalen hurts his ability to keep guys in line make sure everybody's taken care of make sure he's there for them like everything about jalen it just cannot be understated how impressive yeah. it is. It's it's the stuff that we talk about when we, and we're approaching the draft. We'll do our mock draft. We'll talk about traits that these guys have coming into the draft. That's stuff that you hope you hit on, not just like what happens on the field that Jalen was amazing at, but that kind of stuff in the locker room where he's galvanizing the team, where he's leading. Yeah. That's that's where you draft your franchise quarterback for. Well, and like we're, we just passed the one year anniversary of, of the Ryan Leaf interview that I did on this pod. Right. And like Leaf and I like taught and I asked him, I was like the physical traits versus the, the personality traits. And, and Leaf told me, he's like, look, you'll, you'll draft the physical traits above the personality traits and the off the field traits. That's what teams do. He's like, but it's not a huge differentiator between how like in levels of importance. I still stand on, I'd rather have a guy who has less physical traits and has the off the field mental makeup because that's what the greatest quarterbacks of all time have all done. Say what you will about Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was prolific, but what made Peyton Manning so brilliant was the work he did off the field, right? It was how brilliant he was of a mind, the amount of film he could break down, his preparation is what made Peyton Manning brilliant. He didn't have as good of an arm or physical tools as Ryan Leaf, but he was 
he did all of that off the field work and that stuff as a leader that made him so great. Tom Brady, same way. Tom Brady forever. Nothing to write home physically. He's kicking throws. Yeah. I mean, he's got average NFL arm strength and basically has his whole career. It got better as he got older. Right. But it was the off the field stuff, the preparation, the mindset, the leadership, all that stuff that works. And that's exactly who Jalen was in college, which was like, I remember him playing as the first true freshman to start a quarterback in Alabama in over 40 years when he took over in 2014 or 2015, right? 40 years was the last time there had been a true freshman start at Alabama. Jalen Hurts gets that job, right? And then obviously it's so well documented, everything with Tua and getting benched and being the first one out there. And I recently just watched his, like the interview that ESPN did with him right after they won the national championship when Tua threw the touchdown. And it's just, Jalen has gone through these levels of maturity where it, like it almost doesn't feel real. And I was just listening to Jason Kelsey on Ryan Rosillo's podcast this week. And he was talking about, he's like, he's like, it doesn't feel real. Like when you meet those people in life that seem to have their shit together so much, you're like, they're lying. Like there's something behind, you know, even like your buddy, your buddy at the bar, who's like, yeah, I have $150,000 saved. And, you know, we're going to be buying a house soon. And oh, we bought this beautiful golden retriever puppy. And like, oh, my whole life is a perfect picture. Every single one of us internally goes, that's bullshit. Like there's, there's something wrong with that person. Sometimes people just have their shit together. And like, we ultimately like kind of resent them for some weird reason. And I think with Jalen, like Jalen is a prime example of that kind of person where it's just his, the work ethics there, the dedication is there. He's someone deep down that we all wish we could be, but Jalen just exemplifies that. And now he goes and he gets this contract, which is so well-deserved. But then on the other side, it's paired, not just the player, but the players paired with the best GM in football right now and, and the best cap manipulator in football to help set this team up for a long-term success. And we'll get into the numbers here in a second, but I, I mean, anything else, I just, I love and this kid. If I may, and I said this during the playoffs and, and particularly right before the Super Bowl. You know this as well as I do, but as an outsider of that franchise and that city, I know enough that I know that it is so freaking hard to get the buy-in from that group of people, not just the franchise, but the city. And there is not a single Eagles fan that isn't behind Jalen Hurts. Not a single one. No. That, that is, no, not, that is straying off to the side. And, and it is so hard to do that as a professional athlete in the city of Philadelphia. It, that it, it is, but it's it is mind-boggling. It is, it is, but it isn't, right? Because Yeah, but because if you win, I get it. Yeah. I, it's not even it's, about winning. It's not even about winning. Because you remember, because I think we might have even played the clip on the pod at the time, but Jason Kelsey was asked during the Ben Simmons saga at the beginning of the 2021 season, right? About before the, before the Sixers traded him, right? And they asked, some reporter asked him, because again, Jason Kelsey at the time, and probably arguably still is the most beloved Philadelphia athlete we have right now, at least up there with Joel Embiid and um, Bryce Harper. Um, but everyone in Philly loves Moses Jason Malone, Kelsey, maybe. right? Well, no, I mean, I mean, current athletes, but um <laughs> <laughs> and he was asked about that. And, and Jason Kelsey was pretty straightforward. He's like, I don't know why you're asking me. Like I'm a football player. It's like, but what I do know about Philadelphia fans, it's like, they care. They fucking care. That's yeah, all they care exactly. about. Do, do you give a shit as much as they give a shit? That's all you need. And if you show up every single day and you bust your ass and you give everything you have on the line and you come up short, 
yeah, they'll be pissed for a couple of days, but ultimately they'll come to the conclusion that, hey, they this team gave everything they have. And it makes that's you how, stronger. And that's how people feel felt about this Eagles team this year, right? Like yeah. they came, ultimately came up short. Is there a single Eagles fan who comes away from this season being like, fuck this Eagles team. They should have won the Super Bowl. They didn't. No. Maybe in the immediacy of the reaction. But like, yeah, (laughs) even when we did the podcast, as hard as that was for me after we lost the Super Bowl, I still looked on this team and was like, what an amazing game. What an amazing team. What an amazing run. Mm -hmm. You know, like everything from top to bottom. You can't take a single thing away from any of those guys. The reason it's easy to hate Ben Simmons is because Ben Simmons didn't fucking give a shit. And he was a little bitch the entire time he was here, you know, and he was and he was incapable of living up to a moment or giving a shit about the moment to give his all and completely cratered. And and, and this is this is quantifying it for our national audience because you've been in it and I've been around it enough. Like, yeah, like it's hard to know unless you're there and in it. But like we're doing our best to help quantify it for you, like, our, our national and yeah, international 100%. listeners. Like, look, I, I can say as long as long as I can see and vi- like see that like this team is doing everything they can. Like that's part of my deep down my issue with Jonathan Gann as defensive coordinator all season. I'm sure he worked hard coming up with game plans, but it was his unwillingness. Uh, Tampa too. <laughs> it was his <laughs> unwillingness. <laughs> it was his unwillingness to adjust that I'm like, you're not doing everything you can. Your arrogance is getting in the way of what our defense could be because you think that you know better than everybody else. But the fact of the matter is football's never operated that way. There's never been a single mastermind who's like, my one system works. The best coach to ever do it is the Go guy Walsh. who, well, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but even the West Coast offense was like, there were so many options off of it that that was kind of True, part yeah. of the system. <laughs> and you also had, by the way, Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. So let's, you know, the players had a lot to do with what made that offense well, because the West coast offense on its own is not enough to win you a championship. My thing was like, instead of being the guy who's like, my system's going to work the best, literally the best coach of all time, Bill Belichick will change. He'll, he will change the, the fundamental core of his defense week in and week out if he has to, if that's what's going to give him the best chance to win. So, like, that's why people get frustrated with Gannon. It's because there's no willingness to change. And, and what I love about J and that's from a coach's perspective. When it comes to a guy like Jalen, Jalen exemplifies everything that Philadelphia fans care about, which is hard work, getting better in the off-seasons, recruiting to get better players to come here like and and caring about the city the amount of stuff he's done for for you know for the youth programs and for people of color in the city of philadelphia supporting black businesses it's really amazing and it's apparent to me and this is part of what happened with jalen which i think arguably the most interesting part of this whole contract is the fact that he got the first no trade clause in the history of the philadelphia eagles Hmm. like and for the Eagles standpoint, like that's that's a that's a chip, right? That's a leverage chip that you don't want to just give away. You don't want to just give away that chip for nothing. You give you away that. Yeah. And in return, like, hey, we're going to give you this, but you have to sacrifice something on your end. Right. That's how negotiations work for these types of contracts for any for any negotiation, for that matter. It's like, hey, you're holding this piece of leverage. We're holding this piece of leverage. What do you want? And then if you want that, then you have to sacrifice this on the other side. And ultimately what they came together on, and we can get into some of the details now, because obviously with Jalen, like it's a perfect fit. He loves the city. He loves Eagles fans. We love him. And he's still allowed to have that chip on his shoulder his entire career because he got drafted in the second round. He still loves the city and loves the team, but 
he got drafted in as a backup and like a gadget play kind of guy to end was behind, you know, Carson. And now he gets to be the guy. So he's always going to have that chip on his shoulder, which I don't know about you, but I love my Jalen hurts with a chip on his shoulder. Um, yeah. I love having a quarterback. <laughs> well, you got I don't know three. What I've got. You got three. <laughs> We're going to figure out who's going to play. Um, but that's the version of Jalen hurts that I love. And, and I also fucking love Howie Roseman. Right. So it's like Jalen, uh, it was clearly a genius deal. It was clear for Jalen. Like one of the biggest things he wanted was just loyalty. Right. And what's as an organization, what's the biggest types of loyalty that you can give to a player? You trust them to give him a no trade clause. Right. Yeah. You know, you're giving him that power. And it's clear the Eagles believe in him to have him there because with this extension, he's under contract for six years until he's 30 years old. And again, as we talked about at the top of the podcast, it's a 500 and uh, was it? Sorry, $255 million contract, $179.3 million in guarantees, right? The number that some people have talked about, but is more important for people to dive into, is what the guaranteed at signing number is, which is $110 million at signing. All right. So the second he signs the contract, that is $110 million completely guaranteed no matter what happens. That $70 million gap between the 110 and the 179 that's listed, that eight, that's that $70, $70 million is still guaranteed. All right. But the way that the reason that do it signing number is so low, because if you look at like the Deshaun Watson, the $230 million for Deshaun Watson was guaranteed at signing. Uh, the, the guaranteed money for Patrick Mahomes was guaranteed at signing, right? The Eagles, and this is the brilliance of Howie Roseman, they're, that, that guaranteed at signing number is something that's already affecting the cap for the next five seasons or six seasons for the life of the contract, right? That extra $70 million is still guaranteed, but it gives the you Eagles – it allows the Eagles the flexibility to restructure the deal down the line. So when Jordan Mailata signed, who restructured his contract today, when Lane Johnson, right? Cause they're once a year, it's literally, it's like a joke for the Eagles for Eagles fan. Whenever they're the, the newsletter comes along, it's like Lane Johnson restructures his contract with the Eagles. It's like national Lane Johnson restructure day. Like, because every year when that comes up, they're April, able to April 20th. <laughs> they're able to take that $70 million of guaranteed money that's left on that contract, and the Eagles can convert that into a signing bonus. All right. So it's $180 million guaranteed. Great. Well, that last 70 million can be restructured at any point throughout the life of his contract into a signing bonus, which doesn't count against the cap. So, for example, the next four years of let's say Daniel Jones, who just signed a four-year contract this year. Here's what his cap hit is going to be. This is also, by the way, not the total number of what it is. This is just the cap hit over the next four years. 21 million, 45 million, 39 and a half million, and 56 and a half million before he becomes which, an unrestricted free agent in 20. Which allows which allows them not to be able to. <clears throat> I have the opportunity that the Eagles would have with all the restructuring of contracts to be able to sign big name free agents, to be able 100%. to retain uh, Saquon Barkley, who yeah. uh, who will is up for a deal after after the franchise tag expires, ostensibly after next season, even um, 100 yeah. percent, which, by the way, Saquon has not signed 
his uh, well, his, that's, his that's, contract yet, and yeah, that's probably that. I'm excited to see. I don't know. Uh, and then, but again, the total guaranteed money for Daniel Jones is 92 million. But those are the cap hits. The yearly cash for Daniel Jones 46 million this year. Uh, that includes the signing bonus that he had 36 million next year, 30 and a half million the year after and 47 and a half. But again, the cap hits. Now, if, if the giants want to get out of that after 2024, it is an $18 million cap hit to get out of that contract. And then only $9 million. Either way, you're taking a significant cap hit. Here are the cap hits for Jalen hurts over the next four years. Right? So remember first year for Daniel home, Daniel, uh, Daniel Jones cap hit 21 million Jalen hurts. 6.15 because that's the last year of his rookie deal. Next year's 36 or uh, 45 million dollar cap hit for uh, the 2024 season for the Giants, 13 and a half for the Eagles, 39 and a half million dollar cap hit in 2025 for the Giants and Daniel Jones, 21.7 million dollars for Jalen Hurts. And then the last year, 56 and a half million dollar contract for Daniel Jones. In terms of cap hit, the last year for uh, in 2026, after the first four years for Jalen, 31.77 million. And that in and of itself is insane because Jalen Hurts right now is the seventh highest cap hit over the next four years of quarterbacks that are under contract for the next four years, not including rookies. That is bonker balls insane that the Eagles were able to do this. And on top of that, too. In 2025, assuming Jalen's healthy, 2026, assuming Jalen's still healthy, you can take that 70 million that you have and put, hey, here's a $15 million signing bonus for those next two years, cutting into the guaranteed money, which then will lower the dead cap hit. God forbid Jalen gets hurt or the Eagles want to move on for him or whatever. That dead cap hit at the end of 2024 for the 2025 and 2026 million or 2025, 2026 years. In the, in the NFL will be a significantly lower dead cap hit. So like everything about this contract is fucking perfect because you're giving Jalen the flowers he deserves to say, Hey, you're the highest paid player in the NFL. And honestly, we know that quarterbacks one up each other, but you're also the first to get there. You're before Lamar, you're before Herbert, you're before Burrow, right? You're after Daniel Jones. And yet, even though the total number is significantly higher than Daniel Jones, it's still a more team friendly contract. Yeah. Exactly. Like Howie Roseman is such a fucking genius. You give him the no trade clause because Jalen, based off of his career with with Alabama, Oklahoma, and then the start of his career in Philly, he wants that commitment. The Eagles say, hey, we're going to give you that, but you're going to work with us. And we're going to make sure that you get that one hundred and eighty million dollars that are guaranteed to you. And then for 2027, 2028, the last two years of his contract, yeah, that number might be high, but you can spread out that guaranteed money for the rest of that contract right. to make it so that way the cap hit itself is not going to handicuff you. Plus, by yeah. the time we get to 2027 or 2026 and Trevor Lawrence is getting his contract, and at that point, Bryce Young might be getting a contract, we don't even yeah. know, right? Like at that point, there's going to be guys. Jalen Hurts is going to be a middle of the pack quarterback. Plus, the cap's going to go up. Like, it's an unreal. And you, and you still have the room to restructure his deal along yeah. the way. So, I, uh, and, and, and so think- when Devontae Smith's contract comes up, because they still have three more years of guarantee uh, of control over him before he gets his contract, you'll be able to work out a deal and again pay off that guarantee. It's almost like you're like 
paying off the guaranteed money early. It's like buying a car and you're like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to pay off some of down that payment. Loan. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I've got my down payment down, but I'm also going to pay off the rest of this thing early. Cause Hey, I got a big bonus at work. So we're going to pay off this. Right. So that way later down the line, that number's less like it's, it's absolutely fucking brilliant what the Eagles have done. They have 12 draft picks next year. They have two first rounders this year. I'm just, I'm in all like from, from a, from just a pure cap manipulation standpoint, there's never been a G, better GM in the history of the NFL than Howie Roseman. And they, they hold all the, the chips right now, at least in the NFC, they hold all the chips because not only do they have the target on their back being NFC champions, but I don't think there's anyone that's including the 49ers who are in salary cap hell, by the way, which is why we can't make the moves that we need to make to get better, to beat the Eagles. Uh, it's just, it's brilliant. It's absolute brilliance uh, from a business standpoint. It's unbelievable. And like, yeah, like John Lynch is a better talent identifier than Howard Roseman because this is the problem that's now facing the Eagles, which is that you sign this contract, right? Which now means that loading up on all of those future draft picks and getting two first rounders this year. And it's why the Eagles are likely to trade back. There's some talk about them maybe trading up if Jalen Carter might still be dangling around there in the back half of the top 10, which we'll get to that when we do our, our mock draft on at 10. Oh, baby. Oh, dude. I want, <laughs> dude, the, the, the sick, like just true Eagles fan of me wants Bijan Robinson so fucking badly. It's insane because immediately it becomes, I, look, it becomes the most dangerous offense in the NFL. If Bijan Robinson is a Philadelphia Eagle, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it though. He was one of like the, what, 20 official visits that the, the teams get. Correct. Um, yeah. But the concern now for the Eagles, it's like, look, regardless of you, there's only so much cat manipulation you can do and how we got the most out of it that he possibly can, but eventually it's still going to be a large percentage of your cap, right? So we can talk the praises off of Howie forever and that's great. But all of a sudden now the going for the trade and signing AJ Brown and doing all that stuff, which again, because the, the way the Eagles set up their contracts, they can always kind of manipulate and maneuver and push that money around to keep a good team. It's going to become increasingly crucial for the Eagles to draft well over the next couple of years, exactly. which is something that like John Lynch and like former players have always had a hand up on Howie on rather than Howie's really good at trading and signing these contracts, Howie's gotten better at it, but it's becoming really, really important. Now that this contract is done, the Eagles have to be able to, you know, find, find these guys in the draft in the fourth and fifth rounds. And you have some young guys who are hopefully going to develop, but it's becoming more and more crucial for the Eagles to be able to do yeah. that. There's two more things I want to address. One point and one question. One point is that this sort of, it, it, it kind of follows the guy who was on the other side uh, of the field of quarterback in the Super Bowl matchup, right? What we talk about the value of, of uh, the quarterback position in the NFL is getting a guy on the rookie deal and getting as far as the Eagles did and, and then paying him later. Mahomes did the same thing, won a Super Bowl on the rookie deal, then he got paid. But the way that the Chiefs were able to manipulate that massive contract allowed them the ability to rebuild their defense and restructure their offense, get the best offensive line in the league on free agency. Um, yeah. and, and so that's that's the sort of model, model I think Howie's following um, and, and perfecting, really, which I think is, is, is going to be a positive boon in the long run for the Eagles. Uh, the second is... How do you think, because I tend to think it, it 
sort of screws Lamar a little bit. But how do you think this sort of affects the the Lamar contract? Because now teams are going to be like, well, we don't have the room to structure a deal like that, buddy, and give you all the guaranteed money you want. So sorry. I mean, I still stand because like when we talked about the Lamar contract in the past, like I kind of stood my ground on the same thing, which is that like, Lamar is is kind of just not going to play because I, I agree with you. I don't think whether it's a, this year or in the future. I'm not talking about at, specifically some, this year. at some point, somebody's going to pay Lamar. It's insane to think that it's not going to happen. Yeah, I still stand. Lamar's not going to play this year. Like I, I like we've seen guys like who's the closest comparison to Lamar Jackson we've ever had in the NFL from before his time. At, at quarterback. Yeah. Michael Vick. Maybe, yeah. but not even yeah, no. that. That's what I mean. I said the closest, so it's Michael Vick, right? Michael Vick left the NFL for three years. Now, no. objectively, for different <laughs> reasons, but when Michael Vick came back, he had two Pro Bowl seasons, right. far older and later in his career with a longer gap than taking one year off, which is why I think ultimately Lamar might just take this year off. That was my take over a, 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 almost two months ago now that I said, I just don't see Lamar playing for the Ravens ever again. I don't care that they got OBJ. The but, fact that they're but, paying OBJ $15 million this year is fucking batshit to begin it's with. Insane. And it's not going to convince Lamar to come back. Lamar, but you agree his, that it, it, you agree that it hurts his argument though. Right? For sure. For Contractually. sure. For sure. But I, I think, uh, I think I still stand to the point that like, this is the contract that Lamar should have been given. Yeah. Like, it, like if Agreed. the Raven, if the Ravens were more competent, this is the contract, right? I, I said during that same podcast that I talked about Lamar not um, re-signing with uh, and thinking he wouldn't play again this year. Um, I said in that moment, like, I thought the Eagles and, and Jalen Hurts would go more of the Patrick Mahomes contract route, which was, hey, give him like a 10-year deal. The first five years are guaranteed, and then the rest of it is up in the air. And I'm sure at some point at towards, you know, the end of the guaranteed money there for, for Mahomes, they will renegotiate that contract and he'll oh, yeah. get more guaranteed years tacked on to the end of it. And, ult- but again, he was, it was a $450 million contract that Mahomes signed. Right. So it's like, all right, like Mahomes is getting that money five, only five years of it are guaranteed, but at some point they're going to take that money on the rest of that contract, turn to some of it into guarantees. They're going to restructure it and dance around the whole thing. And I thought that made more sense for the Eagles and then I also said that or do the shorter term with higher guarantees and make it fully guaranteed. And because instead, the- how he said, fuck you, I'm way smarter than you, Jeff, you stupid fucking idiot. I'm <laughs> going to do something that's so much better than that. Well, no, and he not did. That much. And he did. No, it is like, like this contract for the Eagles, especially given the nature that Jalen plays like it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Now, again, the Eagles have to hit on draft picks. They have to make sure they lock up the guys that they need to lock up on, and they have to be really good in the draft. And the way you get really good in the draft when you're not an elite level talent evaluator is to load up on draft picks. The Eagles yep. have 12 draft picks next year, 12. And they can make it more with, with two of first rounds this year. And if, if Will Levis or, or Anthony Richardson falls, you know, and Chicago drafts at nine and then the Eagles are up at 10, and you know some you team behind them. the life out of Hell somebody. Yeah. Take that, yeah. turn it, turn it into a first rounder next year, yeah. man. Like uh-huh. now, I don't, I don't know if we're gonna have four quarterbacks drafted, but I do know that if the Eagles, it like let's say Bijan gets drafted at eight to Atlanta, and Jalen Carter gets drafted before that, and all the guys that the Eagles fans really, really want end up being gone. Oh, line or yeah. trade in terms but of yeah, like trade yeah, they're gonna no, they're gonna trade back. They're gonna <laughs> trade back. I think they're gonna trade out of the thirtieth pick for sure. Um, 
But that's because they know, and look, the Eagles have done well with those late round draft picks over the years. And they're going to get, the draft is always such a crapshoot. And we know that we talk about it every year, but like the draft is such crapshoot that whenever you get to that point, like it's, it's going to be trade back. Right. And give yourself the most ammunition. Right. It's the most you're taking the most lottery cards, the most lottery numbers. You know, you're putting you're picking the most numbers on roulette as possible. Right. You're trying to give yourself the best odds that one of those guys are going to pick. And the best way to do that is to have as many assets as possible. For sure. And the Eagles are stacked on those over the next two years. And just based off the way the Eagles have drafted over the last few years, there's going to they have a better chance of finding a starter in the third and fourth rounds than they do in the first round based off of Howie's track track record. But you still have a chance to draft, you know, to just throw a bunch of fucking lines out into the water and see what you can catch. And and, and that's ultimately what they're going to have to do. And they're already set up to do that. In addition to potentially even squeezing a first or second rounder out of next year and get a really solid pick this year, too. So I, I think the Eagles have set themselves up in a way that is better than I could have possibly imagined. I didn't have the creativity from a cap, you know, a manipulation standpoint to see this potential and what what they've done um but it's fucking brilliant man it's, it's a brilliant. master tapestry that howie has has woven and on top of uh, it too that big number at the top and that 180 million guaranteed and that 255 because there's no and look there are going to be people for the Bengals and for the chargers and for whoever ends up signing lamar who are going to be looking at what the eagles did the jaguars yeah, yeah and and try and yeah jaguars for trevor Lawrence. they're going to try to replicate this they're going to go through and they're going to Bears try to a figure out years. Yeah. they're going to try. But the thing is that the entire Eagles roster, all the core pieces are all signed to contracts like this. Yeah. So it's going to be increasingly difficult for them to do it. But because that top number, that 255 is out there, that's what players are going to want to hit. So getting this done early. And I said this at the time, and it's one of those things where it's like, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Cause you're like, damn, I would love if the Eagles had that extra year of control where the Eagles wouldn't have to sign this contract until next year. Right. And then it could be like how Burrow and like how Herbert are, where you don't have to worry about that, you know, cause you could have that extra year of control being a first round pick, but the fact that they weren't means that they had to get this deal done earlier, which is then resetting the market for Burrow and Herbert and Lamar and all the but, quarterbacks that are going to come after them. But look at You talk about those two teams in particular, like the Bengals are, I would argue having trouble on defense now because they're like anticipating this move. The chargers can't probably sign Austin Eckler. They're the number one back in the league uh, this uh, over the past year. Uh, but one of the top five backs over the past four, because they're anticipating paying Justin Herbert. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's the manipulation of, of, like you said, Jeff, everything around the quarterback that, that helps that the last thing I'll say too about Herbert, or I'm sorry about uh, Hertz, a uh, couple of H's cutting it up um, is he to me. And, and again, this deal provides all that flexibility for restructure and, and whatnot, but everything around it, that, that makes this deal so good. That makes the team so good. That makes the Eagles so good. I, I it strikes me that Jalen is the sort of player who would be like, we're like, we're this we if not have already won a Super Bowl by this point three four five years down the road, um, at, it, you're th- you're gonna be this close like yeah su- like super super close like you were this past year and it's like fine I'll take a pay cut I don't care 
go yeah. get the guy that will get us over the edge. Well, and the Eagles now too, which is even better, is because we laid out the cap hits over the next four years, right? It's six million this year, it's 13 million next year, 21 million the year after that, and 31 million the year after that. That extends the current window while also allowing yourself not to get screwed on the back end. Yep. Right. So like that third, like six million this year, 13 million next year, 21 million, like all of that, like in 2025, he's basically going to have the same cap hit as AJ Brown, which is, which is crazy. Right. But like, that's, that's where we're at. And, that, and then again, how he's going to restructure AJ Brown's contract and tack on an extra cap year goes up too, and yeah. give him I mean, the signing bonus and pay yeah. them up front to get, you know, to keep them happy. So they're getting the guaranteed money that was in their contract, extending them, adding a little bit of guaranteed money in the back end. That's going to help you with the cap hits. So it's like, like it's just it's perfect because you're extending the win now but while you still have lane johnson under contract for the next three years right while you have my lotta under contract Fletch, and dallas goddard, like Devonte, aj dallas goddard all under contract for the next three years 23 24 25 right and that's not including again like a Devonte extension which will come at some point right and, and and then same thing it's like fletch and bg and kelsey and lane johnson Fletch, BG, and Kelsey are all on these one-year deals, and they're probably going to go. But then you've you've drafted, you have Hassan Reddick. They'll probably draft a DN this year. You have Cam Jurgens waiting in the wings. Like you have all Jordan Davis. You have all these guys here, and if you go up and get a Jalen Carter right in the in the top ten this year, then you're going to have elite talent on the back. That's the huge part. It's it's huge on the back end. So it it just extends the win now because they're in a rare place where it's like, typically it's like that window ends as soon as you extend your quarterback. But in this case, that extent, that window has actually been extended for four years, three really, because 31 million is still a big cap hit, but like you're extending it at least three, potentially four years to give yourself a chance. And then they'll start reworking that hurts contract that will keep them that window open as long as possible for them to still go out and maybe grab like, you know, whatever the equivalent of like a Hassan Reddick would will be in 2026 yeah. or the Buddha Baker thing that all of Philadelphia wants to happen right now. Jesus. And, and but I, again, to, to come full circle on the, on the city aspect of it, the buy-in from the, the, the fans and, and the, the buy-in from the players into the, into the city of Philadelphia, all of those veterans you just named too are the same type of way that I think Jalen is where it's like, one-year deal, uh, three-year deal, I don't care. I'll take a pay cut. Go get the guy that will help us win. Yeah. And that's that's just the mentality uh, because they want the people around them that will put in the work, that will that will give the effort, that will buy into the franchise, into the city to help yeah. win a Super Bowl. And like Fletch getting an $11 million and, and Kelsey getting like $12 million this year. Like those numbers are really high. But they're those all are lifetime year- achievement awards. But they and they're are. Deals. And they're all one-year deals. And – they're going to go try and they have the replacement of Kelsey waiting in the wings. They have Jordan Davis there on the rookie deal. They might add a Jalen Carter this year, right? You know, like they're going to have guys like that sitting right underneath them to come in as rookies who then once those guys all leave, because that's part of it too. It's like, once those guys all leave, all of a sudden like BG leaves and Fletch leaves and Kelsey retires. Right. And all those guys are gone. All of a sudden, it's like, hey, we have like $25 million in cap space this year. And you're like, wait, the Eagles are 13 and four. How do they have $25 million in cap space after this year? Because Howie Roseman is a fucking genius. And then you're going to find, but again, the only way this window continues, though, in the long term 
is the Eagles have to hit on the draft. And the way you do that is by getting as many bites at the apple as you can. And they are set to have a lot of bites at the apple. So I know that's a lot of Eagles talk, but I just, I don't think it can be understated how insanely beneficial this contract is and how, if you're talking about the teams that are set up best for the future, it's chiefs one because of Mahomes, no question, but Kelsey's 30, <laughs> Kelsey's 32, man. Like Kelsey's only going to have a couple more years of being truly Chris Jones elite. is 30. Chris, yeah. Chris Jones is almost 30. Like they're going to be in a world of hurt. And I'm sure they had their GM, like they're really, really set up well, but you put them number one because of Mahomes. And after that, there's no other team that's better positioned to be successful for short and long term, like the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's fucking awesome. It's got to be exciting for you, fan. buddy. <laughs> it is. It is. But also just I think of anyone who and again, I know this is a very nerdy part of the podcast. We don't typically get this nerdy on it. But I just I find I just don't think it can be understated the significance, right? Because we all love to laugh at analytics and we all love to laugh at nerds and stuff. But like the nerds are the ones who are ruling sports right now. They're the ones that are governing sports. It's so, so it's true. Like, when you have one of those people, it's fucking it's huge, man. It changes it's the Im- face of your franchise. It's important to talk about, too, because like I like I, I referenced, the 49ers are in salary. Everybody's like, oh, the 49ers are a perennial favorite, too, uh, especially in this NFC. That's great on the field, but we have zero draft picks until the third round. We have a ridiculous contract for Debo Samuel. We have an aging, uh, we have, we've just paid Nick Bosa. We have an aging uh, George Kittle. We don't have a quarterback, at least that I'm aware of yet. Um, Sam Darnold. We traded all of those draft picks to get Christian McCaffrey. Yes, yeah, Sam Darnold. We traded all those draft picks to get Christian McCaffrey. So you look at the roster on paper and you're like, and we and we paid Javon Hargrave in the uh, in the off season. You look at the team on paper and you're like, how are they going to lose? Yeah. But then you look at like why well, we can't get better and get depth, especially in like the secondary, offensive line, things that matter, things that have been our Achilles' heel. It's because these deals aren't friendly like the ones that the the Eagles have. And yeah. so that's that's where I think the well, Eagles the, and, the, and the Chiefs in particular have the advantage. The brilliance of Howie, and this is one of the things that I think I, I you have to give Howie credit for, is that. When he's making these deals, he genuinely wants it to work for both sides at all times. He's like, look, I'm I'm going to take this seven or eight or ten million dollars that's guaranteed in your contract. I'm going to give you that right now in the middle of training camp or in this in, in offseason in OTAs. I'm going to give you that 10 million. And it's right his timing is now, yeah, it's always right? impeccable. <laughs> so you can, so no one can ever look at Howie and say, Hey, Howie did me dirty. No, if anything. He gave you the money up front, taking more of the risk on the side of the owners and saying, all right, cool. You're going to convert Lane Johnson's salary into you know, his $14 million salary here, and you're going to convert four, 10 of that 14 into a signing bonus, bonus right yeah. now. But then it's what genius. happens? Let's Okay, and then let's say, God forbid, Lane Johnson tears his Achilles. That's then you, the Eagles and Howie Roseman have lost that. But that's where having strong ownership comes into it, where it's like how uh, J- Jeffrey Lurie doesn't care. He's like, I'd rather do that because that's going to put us in a position to win, to to not sacrifice the future for the present, but to also take care of the people who are getting us there now. And I just I think it's awesome. So, all right. That's a lot of Eagles talk. Shout out Jalen Hurts. So what? also shout out to Nicole yeah. Lynn, um, first black age, a uh, female agent to have a hundred million dollar player, but also. Uh, the whole story with her and the way that she 
reached out to Jalen uh, the night of his draft and, and Jalen having his entire, his management, his PR, his agent, everything about him. Uh, they're all females. He has an entirely, entirely female thing. So it's like everything about Jalen hurts is there's nothing not to love about him. Um, but yeah. to see Nicole Lynn rolling, sent, sent him a DM before the draft and was like, Hey, has anyone represented you yet? And he signs with her. And now she became the person who has the highest. Incredible. You know, even we if it's more probably, of that, even if it's only for a couple of weeks, you know, she can say that, Hey, at, at one point in time, I represented the player who had the largest contract in NFL history. And as a black woman in this industry, in that industry, and in, in this industry is really impressive. So shout out to Nicole yeah. Lynn as well. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We got NBA playoffs fully under swing right now. So Scotty and I are going to give our thoughts after the first few games. Uh, and we got a few games tonight. To. To yeah, we are, buddy. <laughs> we sure are. Uh, so we'll get to all that on the other side. All right, so my playoff preview did not get aired, as I alluded to at the top, um, so I'm not going to try to claim anything. I had made my picks, but look, I could just say anything, and you guys probably won't believe me because uh, the podcast never actually got posted. But uh, my, my, I will say my picks were I had Milwaukee and Denver coming out of the East and the West. Um, we'll see ultimately if that plays true or not. Um, that was obviously before the Giannis injury uh, and obviously Minnesota is just absolutely crumbling. So Denver looks awesome right now, but um, there's a lot to get into with all of that. Um, we got a couple of really interesting series. We'll start here with the one and eight matchups in both conferences. Uh, I don't think there's a ton to take away. Obviously the Giannis injury no. was huge. Giannis doesn't play last night on Wednesday night uh, and the Bucks still won by 16, put up 138 on the heat. The heat came on a out a good defensive team. <laughs> yeah. Well, And look, the heat are just, they're, they're just gross. Like that's just what they are, right? They're, they're going to win ugly games. And I guarantee you, I bet you, especially without Giannis being back, the heat will steal another game in this series and it'll probably go six, but the bucks will ultimately get back. And you also get back for the second round when they take on either Cleveland or New York. But yeah, I mean, like I don't like the heat just do that. The heat have ugly, weird wins in the postseason. Jimmy Butler goes like psycho mode and they end up winning. And and that's what happened in game one. Um, But game two, even without Giannis, like it was very clear that, you know, like, and look, the bucks, they had like a playoff three point record. Like in that game, like they were absolutely lights. It's pretty out hard to three. do as many playoff games. I don't as know how many, how much they can re- repeat that, but at some point, Giannis will be back in this series. And and I, even though it's way more evenly matched um, without Giannis, clearly, uh, I still don't think the Heat will have enough to get by them. But look, if Giannis ends up missing a couple games, could this go six, maybe even seven games? I wouldn't be shocked. I don't think so. And then obviously, yeah, the Denver Minnesota matchup, like. Look, the, the Timberwolves are just spiraling. That's a mismatch. We yeah. didn't get a – you know, we talked a little bit about it on the the Postmasters pod uh, that it was another one that didn't ever get put out. Um, the, the the Rudy Gobert punch. Um, look, I mean, the Timberwolves, I don't think we have anything to worry about. I mean, Denver is just – Denver is just that much better. Uh, Jamal Murray is looking better and better. He had 40 points uh, in game two, they end up winning by only nine, but it, you know, that game never really felt out of reach for, for Denver. The West does still feel kind of wide open. Um, no, especially after that, that the first two games of the Clippers and the, uh, and the Warriors series. Yeah. Uh, and, Clippers and, Suns, and then Warriors, uh, Kings and sorry, Lakers Queen Grizzlies Madden. too, man. I mean, Lakers Grizzlies, Lakers yeah. Suns, or sorry, the, the Clippers and Suns, And then, yeah, the golden state Kings series. And then now you have this Lakers and Grizzlies series that with no John Morant, the Grizzlies win by 10 and Dylan 
Brooks hits a big time three uh, against you yeah, know, just the stop Lakers running your mouth. Just, I'm, I'm tired of that guy. I'm you know enough of him. Same you know how he, LeBron. Yeah, from Draymond, probably. Yeah, he did. He but, learned it exactly from Draymond. But, this is how the rest of the NBA has felt about Draymond for the last 10 years. All right. Enough. You don't I, get to bitch about saying, it. Get... Saying LeBron is 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 well, hey, not let's talk. Really no, terrible. Let's, I get let's out Let's talk here. about your boy Draymond, huh? Let's talk about your boy Draymond, who is suspended yeah. by the time we're, we're recording tonight. For, for a good Thursday, reason, and that's Thursday coming from a Warriors fan. Thursday afternoon, game three, Golden State and Sacramento. Sacramento's up two games. Draymond stomps on the chest and ribs of DeMontis Sabonis. Um, who I get it. DeMontis is a gritty player. He hand, he hand fights and does everything, all the same shit Draymond does. Uh, and Draymond does what Draymond does. And we, we were talking about this in the break a little bit, but like, look, you asked me like, Hey, is, is this Draymond thing like Val is the suspension valid? And, and what I'll say is that it is the first time by my research and from what I've heard and, and reading around on this, that the NBA has ever suspended a player based off of previous uh, you know, conduct. The NHL has been doing that for years. Every time Tom Hilson, Tom Wilson has a dirty hit for the Caps, oh, he yeah. gets suspended another five <laughs> games on top of the last one, which for the record, actually got something the NHL does right. I think it is fair to hold it against Draymond. And I think the fact that Adam Silver was in Sacramento for this game, uh, which when was the last time that Adam Silver was in Sacramento? That's a fun question. To ask. You've got no reason to be there. By the way, all right, Sacramento. Uh, enough with the no. cowbells and no. then calling yourself a city and then having no. cowbells at your stadium. No, you're wrong. Get out of here. You're wrong because Sacramento is the f- best team to root for in this entire postseason. No, it's and not it's not even, exactly. it's not even remotely close. I hate that we ran into them. I really do. Like, because, because everyone out now, the worst part is like if the Lakers get past the Grizzlies and then all of a sudden we might have a Western conference. Oof, final. We don't have a match. If LeBron like, starts sniffing, forget it, man. <laughs> I so badly do not want to see Sacramento and the Lakers play and bring up all the memories from what was that? 2000 2002. <laughs> yeah. The, the Mike Bibby and Chris Weber team, you know, um, I just, I, I love this Kings team and I love, I love the way Darren Fox is so good. Uh, this this Warriors team is just offensively like it's Steph and then nobody else. I mean, obviously Wiggins missing the entire second half of the season and then coming back for the postseason trying to, and he actually hasn't been that bad. Clay looks better this year than it did last year, but there's just there's no answer for them defensively for this Kings team. They basically are two versions of the same team, but one is ten years younger on average and faster and faster <laughs> and and is shooting better and that's, playing better basketball. The, so they're beating us at our own game. It's crazy. Now, the Warriors have also been a horrendous team at on the road this entire season. Um, and they're going to get two games at home to try to tie it up. They always say, right, you know, it's not a series until the a, a, te- a home team lo- loses a game. But with the way that we're seeing this, I just don't see a world where Golden State – I mean, look, Steph can go off for 50 and have an unbelievable game. That's what Steph Curry does. But the way but that this team Fox is constructed – Because, <laughs> like, Sabonis isn't even really doing a whole lot right now. Darren, De'Aaron Fox has been the best clutch player in the Malik NBA Malik Monk this had year, his game in game by one. By far. Yeah, Malik Monk can become a flame Florida. And Kevin Herter hasn't really done much. You expect him to have a really good game at some point in this series. It just feels like there's just too much youth and speed – and confidence from this Kings team that there's anything that Golden State can do. And then you're going to take out the best defender on the team and Draymond. And what are we left with? You know, for game three. Yeah. Yeah. That's the the hard part is uh, being down to, Oh, Draymond being suspended for game three. Um, I think some of the things that 
we were doing correctly in both game one and two was on the defensive end with Draymond being out there, being the captain. Um, but with with him out of the game in game three, it's going to be hard for the Warriors. Now, granted, they are at home, uh, much better record at home. And, and I feel like especially being down 2-0 and going home, which is something that the Warriors are not accustomed to. Um, They've never done it in the Steph Curry era. They've and, never been down so, 2-0. So we're going to find out what the cut of their jib is really. Um, and, and the other thing too, is like, as a Warriors fan, you know, this is something you, you think about, like, I thought about it last year after we, after the Warriors won the title, is this the last run time that we see the, the, like the last dance for, for the, the core group of the Warriors, the Steph, Clay, Draymond. Yeah. I, I think I think undeniably it is. Now, look, here's what I will say, because everyone's been throwing out that, hey, first time the Warriors have ever been down. This core of Warriors have ever been down 2-0 in a series. Uh, remember, this core group of the Warriors was also down 3-1 against Oklahoma City in the Western Conference Finals and found their way to fight that was back. That right? run, yeah. Right? So, like, <laughs> they've been up Play against Thompson, get hot. <laughs> way – Yeah, they've been up against way higher and harder stakes to come back from than the 2-0 lead, and they, this is their first time coming back at home. So it is completely plausible. Not having Draymond sucks. And, again, the Draymond thing is, like, there's no one else to blame but Draymond. Like, this is – like, it's his fault. This is what he does. You know, it's punching Jordan Poole and having the blow up fight with Kevin Durant. And obviously the 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 extra that was it, the 10th technical foul that he had on the season or 15th, whatever it was. And the the LeBron play in, in the 26 or 27. Yeah, 2016, 2016 final run. Yeah. Right. So, you know, like this is the version of Draymond that we're accustomed to. But at the same time, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, they've they've been Steve Kerr, the three of them, they've been down worse. Um, than they have than they are right now in this series, and they're going to get a chance to try to even it. But without Draymond, that's going to hurt, you know. Yeah. And you got to hope that yeah, like the the Kings have an off night and you get it to two one. Um, but I just I don't see a world where the, the the Warriors win two of these games, and I think right now it seems firmly in the position in the hands of the Sacramento Kings. Uh, let's switch over to the uh, to the other game, or the other series here in the West, um, Clippers and Suns. Suns have a big bounce back game in game two after losing the first one to the Clippers. Uh, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, both playing 44 plus minutes in this game. Chris Paul playing almost 40 minutes on his own. Kevin Durant, by the way, playing 44 minutes without hitting a three. I don't think I've ever seen that. He's just, he's just rusty, man. Like he's just rusty. Like it's him trying to jump back into this series for the first time. You know, he didn't get to gel a lot with these guys and he looks a lot like the guy who gets added to a team mid season and just doesn't have the full rhythm. Now, ultimately the talent of Booker and Kevin Durant and Chris Paul, right. And Deandre Ayton, that should be enough. Uh, we just found out as the time, right. When we started recording here, Kawhi Leonard is out tonight with a right knee sprain. So you, <laughs> so you would think that that's going to help the Suns, but Kawhi's also been insane for the Clippers, his yeah. career's playoff stats for the Clippers, which granted, I think is only like seven or eight games is better than what he averaged his entire run with the Raptors, which was, one of the best playoff runs we've ever seen. So it's like playoff Kawhi is a fucking machine and not just in the way that he has a weird laugh the and claw. no personality. He <laughs> is just an absolute monster in the postseason. Plus no Paul George. Uh, I have a feeling the Clippers will drop uh, the game tonight here on Thursday. That to me, I, I think was the key in the series. If Paul George is, is good and healthy and playing, like you got a shot. I, re- I, team, I think but- I think they're the better team. Look, it's because KD just doesn't look like he's 
fully comfortable back in this rotation. You know, it's like he only got he only played three games before he got hurt. So right. how much and time that's did the he thing have? Is like, it, Chris like, Paul has never played with a guy as good as Kevin Durant. Like, who's Chris Paul's best teammate of all time? Blake Griffin, you know, Russell Westbrook on the on on the on the Rockets. I mean, yeah, maybe Tyson Chandler and Paige Stoyakovich <laughs> on the Charlotte Hornets, you know, like <laughs> Drew Lee, right? You know, it's like we're going back and pulling old fucking names out of a fucking hat to figure out this up for Clay, for Chris Paul. So th- for as amazing as Chris Paul is, and I know he's played on Team USA and has played with these guys before, this is the first time in the NBA he's had somebody like Kevin Durant, and it's going to take an adjustment. And- and not having that last two months of the regular season to build up that comfortability, it really does feel like it's like. And Katie's never had a distributor like that either. No. Where, where like, at least with the Warriors, it was like, it doesn't matter if Clay, Steph, or Katie had the ball in their hands, they would all figure it out. Yeah. Um, whereas, it, like, if you're t- just talking about Katie and Booker, like, if the ball's in one of their hands, they'll figure it out. But it's like, but it has to come from Chris Paul and he's not used to having that around. It kind of feels like a band where you're like, Hey, we're going to put Keith Moon on the drums. We're going to put Eric Clapton on guitar and we're going to have Freddie Mercury singing, you know? And, uh, and let's take these three guys. Organized chaos. Right. And let's just all put them together. And then, you know what they would do if they, if they all sat together and started playing music, they would sound fucking amazing. You know why? Cause they're all fucking amazing talents. Just like, the Suns, when the three of them are on the court now, look good. But if you gave them a year to practice, those three musicians oh, yeah. would put together some of the best music that's ever been written on, on the face of the planet Earth, right? Yeah. So it's like that's where we're at. Where it's like these three guys are all brilliant musicians, are brilliant basketball players, but it's still raw. And they're just going off of their pure like basketball IQ to get each other in the right situations, but they haven't gotten that time to really meld, to really feel like they know they can anticipate what the other one's doing. And at the same time, Chris Paul's on his last legs and it's abundantly clear. His shooting numbers have gone down over the last two seasons. They've hit career lows this year. He can still pull off some of the mid range. He can still set guys up and he can't get to the rack anymore. His three point shooting has gone down significantly. So now you're really relying on KD and Devin Booker to make shots. But oh yeah, KD has missed the last two months and he was missed time when he was in Brooklyn. So KD's only played like 30 games this year. So it's like, how much can you really expect out of them? However, Without Kawhi, all of a sudden, I do feel like the Suns have a, a much better it's chance to advantage. win this. Yeah. It's massive. And, you know, assuming Kawhi gets back for game four, maybe this one goes seven. I expect this one to go seven. I think it's going to be a really, really fun series. Uh, and then what's the other one here in the West that we got to hit? Um, Lakers, Memphis. Lakers, Memphis. Thank you. Uh, L- Lakers, Memphis. Game one went to the Lakers in uh, decisive fashion, fashion. And then, of course, uh, John Morant goes down, breaks his hand or seemingly breaks his hand. He wasn't in a cast on Monday. He was in a weird Michael Jackson looking fingerless glove. That was kind of bizarre. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he kind of recovers and, and feels from all that. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but look, I mean, I, the thing with this Lakers team is like everyone wants to see LeBron and AD, at least like the talking heads think keep saying like, Hey, watch out for the Lakers, watch out for the Lakers. Look, the Lakers are just like for as good as they've played, and Austin Reeves has been awesome. And obviously, LeBron, LeBron, Rui Hachimara (laughs) has been great. Uh, D'Angelo Russell's playing good for them. And then when Anthony Davis is healthy, he's been the best defensive player in the playoffs so far. But they still have these nights where it just doesn't click. 
right? And it's like, okay, do they have enough? Can they get four out of seven nights where it does click to get by a John Morant list Grizzlies? Probably. But this one for me is airmarked as seven game series and we'll see John Morant come back at some point in this series. Um, and I think it can go either way, like on paper with the talent and the size, that's the thing with the Lakers, the Lakers are huge. Like when they're all playing, like, you know, even Austin Reeves is six, five, you know, AD's seven feet tall, LeBron's six foot eight, Rui Hachimaro's six foot nine. Right. And then, yeah, maybe D'Angelo Russell at like six, two, six, three is sitting there too. But ultimately like, yeah, man, I, I, I just, I see it, this as a very competitive series and without Steven Adams, who's going to, who's missing the rest of the season, you're now putting all of that size and defense on Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. Who, by the way, one defensive player of the year, but he also has fouled out more than any other player in the NBA this season. So come playoff time, that becomes a really dangerous proposition if you're the Memphis Grizzlies. And that's blood in the water for a guy like LeBron. <laughs> like, and AD, obviously right? you're going to go at him. Yeah, exactly. And and that's the the key uh, for me entering the series was no healthy Steven Adams. Uh, obviously, John Morant goes down in series. Um, but if LeBron and AD are playing at the top of their game, this is this is one of those we talked about in the tournament as an undervalued seven seed. Right. For sure. For, under- <laughs> it is. But. They are, but they aren't because it's like, what version of AD are we getting tonight? Exactly. Are we getting the, ver- we getting the version of AD who falls down and walks to the locker room three times in a game? You know, but and then that comes, can happen but on then any comes given back night. in the second half and then is dominating. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that's what happened in game one. AD fell twice, had to go back to the locker room, comes back out and then dominates the second half and the Lakers go on to win. It, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be can't, tough. You can't give, and granted, Memphis has the experience now of playing the Warriors who are on a championship run in the in the postseason uh i'm talking about last year's uh matchup with them but you can't give lebron a window right because if he's if if you give him an opportunity to be like like everything he's seen on the court might be a little disjointed to the to the viewer and maybe even to him but if you give lebron a window to where he's like actually we're playing pretty well and i think we got a chance you better watch the hell out. I don't care if you're Denver. I don't care if you're Milwaukee. I, Sixers. Uh, I, it does not matter. Yeah, that dude. It will will if if there's blood in the water, he's going after it. Which and and for the most part, I agree with you. But we have to remember this is 38 year old LeBron. I, it, and, and I know I know I don't we, care. I know the convention <laughs> the conventional wisdom's like I don't care. Like we'll see what it looks like. What we've seen the last two years with LeBron is that he's for as good as he's been, he's not good enough to single-handedly weld you to a series win anymore. He's just he's passed first. He's just That's, not. It's not even because he's he's averaged like twenty nine point you know, <laughs> points a game. Like he's still absurd. But in a postseason series, you know he just doesn't have the legs and the energy and, and some of that stuff anymore that he used to have to single-handedly carry a team past. He needs AD to be great. He needs Austin Reeves to be great. He needs Rui Hachimara to be great. He needs D'Angelo Russell to be great. Like He needs those guys to all elevate their games, whereas before LeBron was the reason that those guys' games got elevated. I don't think it's that way anymore. I think LeBron needs those guys to be able to be good on their own because LeBron can still score, but LeBron's not putting up a 50-piece and then distributing it. LeBron's not putting up a Lucas stat line of like 45 points and 15 assists and nine rebounds. 
But Bet LeBron, but LeBron, I mean, I get he could, probably could, <laughs> but like before where like when he was with the Cavs and it was those Cavs Warriors games when he was single-handedly pulling those Cavs teams along. And even the early LeBron days when they went to the championship right against uh, San Antonio, like that version of LeBron just isn't there anymore. And he can still get his, but defensively, you know, he's not guarding the best player on the other team. You know, like he he can't do that anymore. Instead, it has to be Austin Reeves. So LeBron needs to bank on Austin Reeves being able to shut down, a, a you know, uh, a guy like Desmond Bain, who is the most underrated player in the yeah. NBA. Like Desmond Bain's just a flat out fucking stud. Dylan Brooks gets hot last night with his energy. He's very Draymond-esque. So when he starts going crazy and Marcus Smart, same way, when he starts going crazy, the rest of the team feeds off that. I just don't see the Lakers getting to that point again. You know, and I'd love to see, I, I mean, I'd love to see LeBron, you know, make him the NBA playoffs are more fun when LeBron James is playing well and the Lakers are a part of it. But we're just not at that point right now. Um, let's see. That's all the matchups in the West, right? We hit them all. That, yeah, that's it. <laughs> all right. We'll switch over to the East. Uh, like we said, uh, we talked a little about Bucks Heat. Not to worry about that. Celtics, Hawks. Don't think we need to worry about that series either. I think that's no. going to be Celtics all day. <laughs> Um, Sixers. The Nets. Celtics are just fighting themselves, really. That's all this series. Yeah, is. I mean the Celtics look really good. They do. Um, and the Hawks are just falling apart at the seams. They can't play in the second half. That no. if they fix that, then like what whatever. a mistake by Quinn Snyder taking that job midseason, man. I mean, oh, there's yeah. so many better jobs, <laughs> so many better opportunities to come out, and, and instead you got to deal with Trey Young's dumbass. Trey Young. <laughs> um, yeah, the Celtics are just they're gonna they're gonna crush through that series. Uh, Sixers Nets. Uh, Sixers looked unbelievable on Saturday in game one. I actually was lucky enough. I had a little bit of window from my rehearsals and stuff on Saturday when I was in Harrisonburg, went down to a bar, sat and watched the majority of that game. James Harden looked amazing. Uh, Embiid looked awesome. Playoff Harden looked great. First round Harden. Uh, And then then game two, it it didn't look that good. Uh, They were just throwing guys at Embiid. He was getting double, triple teamed. Uh, The Sixers, I think, scored 43 points in the first half. Uh, it was a really actually I can pull it up for for sure here uh, on Monday night. Just did not look good whatsoever. Um, yeah, twenty five plus nineteen. What's that? Uh, Forty four points in the first half. Um, did not look good. But the Sixers do what you know ultimately comes in, which is that like, hey, that's not working out because the Nets have all these wings that they can just throw at people, um, and then Maxi just goes off right. And and that's the thing. It's like the one difference between this year and years past is look, if Harden's having an off Harden night, Maxi's going to take over because Maxi's like he's so quick with all of his decision making. It's like if I'm going to the hall, I'm gone, you know. And all of a sudden, hey, it's a quick two points bails us out. Tobias Harris through the first two games, 41 po- or 43 points, I think, through the first two games, shooting on like 60% from the field. He's got like 20 rebounds. He's basically averaging a 20 and 10 in the postseason, which is huge from your fourth option. Embiid, obviously, that's where all the focus is going on. The second half for Embiid, you know, e- even though he wasn't scoring a lot in the first half, he had 16 rebounds at halftime, I think. Like he was just on an unreal pace, crashing the boards. And then the second half, they clearly figured out what it was the Nets were doing. So they had guys in the, you know, to pass out the double team to get open threes. Um, And then Harden had a bad night. He's just like through the first two games, Harden, zero foul calls, has not gone to the line once. And that's a huge part of Harden's game. He still can get the step back, but he definitely looks a little banged up. He doesn't look like he's 100%. He's not not driving as much as he usually is. Yeah, you're just And and, and when he has (laughs) tried to, he's just not getting up. He's not executing, you know. Yeah. 
So with Harden, it's like, hey, he's getting to the line. You know, he's trying, but that you know, Embiid had uh, eight turnovers himself. Like you can't, you can do that against the Nets. This version of the Nets that was yeah, thirteen and but 15. not against the Celtics or Milwaukee. <laughs> Post Kyrie and Kevin Durant trade, this Nets team is thirteen and fifteen. Right, this is a below five hundred team. You should be dominating this team. Um, and they're going to have a really tough matchup in the second round against Boston. I think the Sixers are going to be fine. They play tonight. Um, as, as, as we're recording it, they're going to play at night. So I don't know what they're going to look like, but I do think they get past the nets. I think they get through comfortably and then it's going to be a tough matchup, right? Um, Embiid, look, if Robert Williams is hurt and Al Horford's older and a little, little slower, a little banged up Embiid should be able to dominate on the bottom block on the bottom block. But then it's look, is PJ Tucker going to guard Jason Tatum for seven yeah. games? You know, that's just, that's, that's <laughs> a matchup. <laughs> it's a matchup. You're just not going to win. Man. At the and, point, and yeah. Jaden McDaniel, Jalen McDaniels has, has had his moments where he's looked, there's Jaden McDaniels out in Minnesota. And then there's Jalen McDaniels in Philly. Um, Jalen McDaniels, you know, he's, he's been decent. D'Anthony Milton's been decent. Like, I think they're going to be a right guarding like Derek white and Marcus smart um, and Jalen Brown, but you know, who's, who's guarding Tatum. But on the other side, too, it's like, look, Robert Williams banged up when he plays. They look like the most unbeatable team in the in the NBA playoffs right now. But I do it's think it's always a question it, as to whether he's going to play. I do think that. Um, and if you're like me, I, I want to see the Joel Embiid playoff takeover. Yeah, I'm waiting for it. Uh, because like we haven't seen it. We haven't had a chance to see it because you haven't gotten out of the second round over the past few years. Uh, but I, I'm waiting to see it because this is a guy who could take over a, a series with the Celtics who could take over a series. I honestly, if they get to Milwaukee, I think they could win that series. If Joel Embiid is playing Joel Embiid basketball. Um, yeah, because you, so, you, you will have the guys to defend Giannis. Exactly. And you're not as worried about Drew holiday or Chris Milton taking over. At least this exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it's going to be getting through Boston. That's going to be really hard. Um, and For I sure. think that's kind of where we're out in the East, but we do have this really fun four or five matchup between Cleveland and uh, the New York Knicks this is going to go seven, man. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. The Knicks looks great. In, in <laughs> and I'm game here for one. it. <laughs> Knicks looked awesome in game one. They steal that. And then Cleveland just absolutely obliterates the, uh, <laughs> the New York Knicks on Tuesday night uh, final score. And look, actually the final score looks closer than it was. At halftime, it was like a fifth. It was like a, a 25 point deficit at one point. Um, and, and look, the Knicks did a good job actually outscoring the Cavs in the fourth quarter. But a lot of that was some empty buckets there at the end. Um, yeah, I really like this matchup just because it's fun. It's just fun playoff basketball. There's so, I love there's such like team. clever. I love, te- I love this. I love the storyline of like for especially for Knicks fans who are like, we could have had Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And he went to the Cavs. Yeah. Which, you know, <laughs> like I Stephen think, A. I think Smith is going to be made... irate if Cleveland wins this series. Yes and no. Cause I think, look, <laughs> Jalen Brunson's done so much for them. And then it's similar to like when Jalen Brunson was in, you know, Dallas. Like he, it's him and, and Donovan Mitchell would have been very repetitive in terms of what they add. So sure. I don't think, yeah. I don't think you get the version of John Jalen Brunson that you do. That um, this Cavs team is going to be so good, though. Man. Oh, I know. I mean, it's the... going to be. The length that they have, Evan Mobley plus is Donovan so Mitchell. Oh, Ev- yeah, I mean, get it, man. And and look, I think especially too, if Giannis is banged up and Cleveland gets through, I think you know with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, we're talking about a series. Evan Mobley, yeah. I think that's a competitive series. Like, I, I still think that the Bucks would be clear favorites, but if especially if it's a banged up Giannis or Giannis misses a couple of games or he falls and reaggravates that lower back injury. 
don't count out Cleveland, man. Mm-hmm. I, I seriously yeah. think there's a world that we that we live in where the Cleveland Cavaliers are playing in the Eastern Conference Finals against the the winner of Brooklyn and Philly or against that Boston and Philly, which uh, will be. We really had fun, a four but... seed make it to the or win the championship in the NC2A. That's uh, true. <laughs> don't count out true. the Cavaliers. Uh, before we go, Scotty, uh, your pick right now for the NBA Finals: who's in the championship and who wins it? Golden State Warriors. Uh, no, realistically, uh, I think Denver looks unbeatable now. Um, I do think there's a world in the East where either of the top four teams can get in. I'm going to take the Sixers because they're playing the best basketball of those three teams right now. Um, so I will not be taking the Sixers. I can. I'll go six. I know you won't because I. Well, let's see. I took the Sixers to win, or I took a Philadelphia team to win the championship in football. So maybe I'll pick against them. Uh, but I do have a, a live bet in for uh, the Warriors to win the finals and the Sixers to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So here's hoping, yeah, because uh, I have actual money. Good, good luck do, with that. <laughs> I do think, yeah. Well, I do think, I think the Sixers gonna, could get to the Eastern Conference two. Finals. I think you might I, go I, over too. I, I think the Sixers are there, um, but uh, but in the West, I think uh, the the Nuggets just look too good right now. Uh, there's not a whole lot of weakness in their game. Um, and especially if the if the, I mean, look, if the Warriors and the Suns both go out in the first round, those are the two teams that everybody was talking about. They were like, oh, five and six seed. Like those are the most undervalued five and six seeds. Like it's the Warriors and and the Suns with KD. Like obviously they're going to run through the West and meet each other in the finals. Not so fast, my friend. Um, we'll see. I, I, hopefully the Warriors at least can turn it around. Um, but uh, but the Nuggets just look too good. Yeah. Uh, too dominant um so we'll see the kings the kings uh for for all intents and purposes i hate like i said i hated running into them but they're a fun team to watch uh because they're so young and and coached by a brilliant man and mike brown so yeah uh, we'll I, I will i will say this i think the kings get to the western conference finals the kings uh, have this little have very similar to like steph curry early steph curry that that team in 2014 uh, with oh, like with when we Steph. lost to San Antonio and the yeah, yeah. I, I think the Kings find their way to the Western Conference Finals, and I think they're they building the, something, man. Oh, I think man. I think oh, they lose God. the I think they lose the Denver because I don't think they'll have an answer for Jokic, and I think Murray's getting fully back to Murray. You know, the version we saw in the bubble a couple years ago, uh, and I think that that adds a whole nother layer. That if Murray, because he remember he's like a playoff gamer type of guy. So like when they have him, all of a sudden that last piece of like a hey, they're double teaming Jokic and Jokic passes out of it. But like, hey, you know, Murray's just gonna take you off the dribble and get hit these step backs and find his way to the lane, you know, and get to the line. Like that version of Murray is dangerous. Uh, and it looks like he's fully trusting his body right now, which I think makes him even more dangerous. So uh, I agree. I do think the Nuggets get there, and I think we're gonna see a Nuggets and Celtics finals. Um and now, look, a lot of that is betting on the health of Robert Williams, which is a, a scary, scary bet to make. But when he's on the when he's playing and healthy, um, Derek White has just been so good for this team. And it allows Jalen and, and Jason Tatum to play so free. I just so annoying in the finals. It's, last year. <laughs> it's so tough, man. You know, and, and he played bad in the finals last year, you yeah. know, and I think now that he's a little more comfortable, he was a midseason acquisition last year for Boston. He's really, and finally fucking Joe Missoula is actually playing him. Um, but I think a Boston and, and Denver finals would be really, really fun. So uh, that's what I see. Uh, and then I think Den, I, 
I don't want to say Boston, but I, I think Boston's I, they, they have to be the favorite right now. I think they do. I mean, look, if Giannis is healthy, I'm, I'm picking Milwaukee and because I just I don't think Giannis a healthy Giannis is not losing in the Eastern Conference finals two years in a row. He will physically talking about LeBron willing his team. Giannis is not losing in the Eastern Conference finals to Boston two years in a row. It's just not happening. So. I'm rolling with uh, with my guys there uh, in uh, in Giannis if he's healthy. I hope the Sixers can somehow get past the Celtics. I just I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. Uh, the the wings are just such a weakness, and it's the same version of James Harden we always see. Man, it's the same exact version. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping the version that we saw at the end of the first quarter, first half, and <laughs> game one against Brooklyn, where he ripped like four straight threes in a row. It was just an absolute like. Like my hair was on fire. It was crazy. Um, also, shout out to uh, my sister who you were with this weekend, who I think I broke her spirit because um, you you guys, t- uh, your your lovely wife, Sung, texted me and said, hey, quick question. Oh, no, this I she the questions came up and I said the answers to both of them, anticipating what you would say. And your sister said the opposite. And I was like, no, I know my buddy, Jeff. I know what he's going to (laughs) pick. Well, so to set the scene, my sister and Scott were debating about which, like how I ranked the Philadelphia sports teams. I I believe is that I have that right, Scott. Uh, No, she was asking if you could only pick one team for the rest of your life to root for, would it be the Sixers or the Flyers? But that's knowing... but that's she picked Flyers that because you had the, the Bedrills. Yes, but that's knowing because I would have said well, the Eagles. Right? Exactly. So it's like that wasn't the debate. So it's it is it is, but it's basically going to be ranking like what's after the Eagles, and then it came down between Flyers and Sixers. And I love the nonpartisan. Uh, your poor wife sung being the nonpartisan, <laughs> you know, non non biased party. Right. Right. Being like, hey, your sister uh, was adamant hey, because question. you. You picked the Flyers because you had a Flyers bedroom. I did. And look, when uh, I was a kid, it, the and answer, I said, no, it's the Sixers. When I was a kid, the, the answer would have been Flyers. <laughs> but the, look, the Flyers have been a joke and a laughingstock of a franchise for the last uh, yeah, 12 years, since 2010 or 13 years. since so they made it to the Stanley Cup finals. Like, it's just it's hard to get behind a, an organization who is as bad as the Detroit Lions or the Cleveland Browns, you know, just of the NHL. Like, that's just how bad they've been since Ed Snyder, you know, sold the team and um, has since passed away. So it's, it's tough, man. I love the flyers. I love all the teams, you know, it's like picking between my kids, but, um, ultimately like, yeah, like the Sixers right now are, are the better team, which you, which you called correctly. And my sister, uh, and then I eventually celebrated in the hotel I ignored, room. I ignored the text and calls because I not ignored. I was just so busy. I just didn't have a chance to respond. And That's then you guys, Kenny and then, yeah, you. my brother-in-law FaceTime me. <laughs> Uh, to to call in and and uh, and say hey you know what's the uh, you know and then I called him back and and I said, need a verdict <laughs> yeah and I and I gave the verdict as you guys were getting ready to go to bed which was uh, very fun also shout out to uh, my brother in law in law Derek Boy who is my brother in law's younger brother one of my best friends from uh, high school him and his lovely bride to be Allie just got engaged so shout out to Derek and Allie I, I have love a shout out too yeah oh yeah it's unbelievable love them. Um, Congratulations to them. So yeah, that's that's going to be fun and way to do it in Italy uh, on yeah. the last day of the trip, Derek. Make, make well us done. all look bad. <laughs> a, a, a ten day trip. He waits till day nine. I mean, come on, what are you doing, guy? Brilliant. Uh, 
But uh, I have a shout out too to a listener of the podcast, Will, whose wedding I will be at. One of our Jacksonville Jaguars fans. Hey, uh, he's getting married this weekend, so well, uh, I'll be big... down there in in the in Duval, uh, watching him and his uh, his bride celebrate. So I was gonna say, big uh, big old Duval to Will and your bride to be. Uh, enjoy it. Have an awesome wedding. Uh, that's all we got for y'all today. Uh, again, special guest coming next week. Probably won't come out until Thursday or Friday of next week. Uh, we also draft. have our third <laughs> annual read option mock draft, and we're going to squeeze in basically all of our draft prep because some of the draft stuff I did earlier uh, didn't get posted. So uh, for the boys, Scotty and Vito, who's out traveling, doing his whole thing, uh, I'm Jeff. Thank you all for watching. We'll talk to you guys next week. And as always, take it easy, everybody.